You're listening to Charlottesville Connected, a podcast that gives you a chance to listen, learn, and be inspired by those making a difference in our community. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an episode of the Charlottesville Connected podcast. I'm your host, Amy Cochran. Today, we're happy to welcome guest Angie Gunter to the show. Angie is the executive director at the Charlottesville Albemarle SPCA. Angie, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Amy. We're happy to have you here. First, um, SPCA, can you tell me what that stands for? Because I always jumble it up. (laughs) It's the Charlottesville Albemarle SPCA. And I should also note that we are not affiliated with any national organization. So we are our own shelter and and our own when we represent our community. Okay, great. And SPCA does stand for the Society of the Prevention of Cruelty Against Animals. Okay. Okay. But you're your own entity, really. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. And that's true, Amy, for all shelters. None of them are affiliated with national groups. So that's something that a lot of folks don't really understand. So it's something we really try to get the message out about. Yeah. You shared that yesterday and I was the first time I had heard that. So that's Interesting. So all the funding that you do, or all the funding you have is the is fundraising that you have done here locally. Sure, that's correct. And sometimes we do get grants from various okay. groups that can be national grants. We've gotten a couple so far this year, like from the Petco Foundation. Oh, nice. um, as far as other groups, there might be opportunities to apply for grants, but we do not receive any ongoing funding okay. from national organizations and nor have we, you know, received any funding since I've been here from for example, like the, the ASPCA. So, okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Realizes their dollars, when they give dollars to us, it goes to support the animals here. But if it's through a national group, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate or doesn't translate to us. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. So I've yeah. been here for years and we've, you know, my daughter and I have volunteered from time to time and I just never really put that together. So that's good to know. Can you just tell me a little bit about the what you all do? Maybe not necessarily day to day. I might ask that again in a minute. But what the mission? I guess is is what I'm asking. So we are here um, to save every treatable and healthy animal possible. So that also means behaviorally. So this organization, actually, the history of it, it began in 1914 um, from a group of folks who just wanted to save animals in the community. Mm-hmm. So that foster base, and then it became a brick-and-mortar structure in 1955. In 2006, we became a no-kill organization. So that's where we do try to save every animal possible. If it's an animal that needs to be humanely euthanized, we will still do that. If it's an animal that's suffering for medical reasons or one that is not sound to put out in the community for safety reasons, it's just not behaviorally sound. And, but our, you know, live release rate last year was the highest it's ever been on record, which was 97%. Wow. Do everything we can to save animals here. And the thing about us too, is we're both a private and a public shelter. So, so what that means is we represent the city and county for their pound contract. So in Virginia, every municipality is required to have a pound. And we oversee that contract for the city and county. So we represent both, again, the private and the public shelter. Okay. 
Wow, that's a big undertaking. It is. It is. <laughs> it means we take in all the strays that come to us, protective custody, owner surrenders. We do try to encourage people when it's owner surrenders. We really try to find out the reason, the real reasons they're needing to surrender in case there's something we can do to help them keep the pet in their home. So retention is a big initiative for us. Okay. So if there are medical issues that could be helped or behavioral issues that are mild that you think you could help, you would do that first. Absolutely. We try to do everything possible. And when you you said 97% and that number is phenomenal. And I'm curious, how many animals do you see on average through the shelter any given year? So I think last year we took in about 4,200 animals. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So, and of that number, you know, I think it was 3,336 were adopted out. And that's the highest number on record since becoming no kill. It also, we have, we redeem animals. So that number includes redeeming animals as well to their owners. And sometimes it's transfer out. So like, let's say, for example, an animal comes here and we realize it belongs after we do a scanning of the microchip. Mm-hmm. you know, was adopted from Green County. I'm just throwing out any shelter. Right sure. And we would call them and say, hey, this is your animal. And sometimes those shelters say, do you mind keeping it for us? Okay. And we, you know, we try to accommodate and adopt out. We had a particular incident where one came in that had been adopted from a shelter in Florida. And we called, it was a cat. And the shelter wanted their cat back. arrangement to pick the cat up. It took about a week, but so, you know, that was an incident where that animal ended up being transferred back to its shelter. So. Wow. Yeah. Charlottesville. I don't know how. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> how did they, how does that transport work? I've seen the caravan. I think yeah. it'll play. Is that? Yeah transport service? Well, so that is a, you know, that is certainly something we do when we're rescuing animals from other shelters. So the transport van, the caravan, I guess I'll call it, it's it's multi-faceted. So it serves as an adoption vehicle. So we take it to places like Petco and bring animals and have adoption events. It also serves for us to go out to different municipalities, shelters, and bring back animals that need to be transported from their shelter. So it could be for reasons like you know, a lot of shelters don't have the space that we do. They don't have the community support we do. And they are they don't want to euthanize, but they don't have a choice. So we do everything we can to save those animals. And we're lucky that we have the community we do. So the community actually paid for this caravan in addition to a community grant from the Perry Foundation. So, so we put it to good use. About a third of our population is taken in through transport. And the, the transport vehicle also goes out to do just clinics. We're really expanding that where you can do microchip and rabies clinics and general, just general vaccinations and wellness exams. The one thing the clinic doesn't offer is we're not allowed, we can't do spay neuter surgeries on that van. But okay. otherwise, we, we can do a lot of things with it. And we've certainly put it to good use. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's great. So you'll go out into the community and those rabies, that sort of thing that maybe owners are struggling to afford, they can Mm -hmm. do that for you through the van. 
it's low cost. And so far, we've only done a couple of those in the community trying to expand that. So that's where we get into our compassionate care clinics, which are offered here at the shelter. And we have just, frankly, it's random dates. This year, we're trying to do seven a year. And we'll finish, we'll finish up with seven a year, even though, you know, this pandemic happened. We're still mm-hmm. going to make sure we hit that goal. Next year, we intend to start having a monthly compassionate care clinic at the shelter and go out at least four times somewhere in the community, like in a needed area. The other thing we offer here once a month right now at the shelter is the microchip and rabies clinic, low-cost microchip and rabies clinic. So that, you know, obviously it's a law to have your dogs and cats with rabies vaccinations, but mm-hmm. we strongly encourage folks to please make sure you do that. Sure. That just helps everybody out. It does. Yes. Yeah. What the typical day, which I know is a loaded question because there probably <laughs> isn't one, but, you know, if I was a fly on the wall and on a, I know right now things are a little different, but on a regular day, and, and I've been there before to help with phyto field trips and other things, and there's a lot of activity. So I'm sure in, in a way it's hard to that's so quiet there right now. But I mean, there's people in and out, I'm assuming fostering, deciding if they want to adopt, dropping off pets they've found. So what, any given day, what all do you see at that front desk? (laughs) So I have to say, every day is, as the way you said it, it's very different. Even now, we don't, we're not open to the public, it's appointment based. But what we've realized in shifting that model is how much the phones are ringing. So Mm. what I'm experiencing right now is we get so many calls because people can't just walk in. And so we're trying to get better about returning calls. So sometimes they elevate to me and I may be on a call about, you know, submitted an application two weeks ago and really want a pet. And I've found myself more involved in that. Okay. And especially if people happen to know me, just saying, we're trying to adopt. There's been a big switch with this pandemic because we see a wait list right now for particularly dogs. We also have a foster wait list. So like it, you know, like normal people get impatient and they, they want to have something right now. So that's what I see more often than not is, you know, folks that are really excited to get a pet and what, what are we doing? We haven't heard back. So when our best to get back, and this is a good problem to have because it allows us to transport more animals in. So it's just a little bit of a delay sometimes, but I think we've improved that too. But every day here is different. It really is. Even with switching gears, it's just, it's just different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you ha- they did a, you all had a clear the shelter. And I don't know if events the right word, but I know when all of this hit in March. And if I remember correctly, that was successful. You were able yeah. to find foster homes. I know there, there are animals in the shelter now, but I mean, I thought that was remarkable. It, yeah. I mean, it's again, the community. We emptied 90% of our pets within days, the animals here at the shelter. And the ones that were remaining, the 10% that were remaining were either here because they were under veterinary care, mm-hmm. where just, you know, a, a citizen couldn't take care of the pet, it required our veterinarians, or they were part of the pound contract where they may be on protective custody, but for whatever reason, they were part of the pound contract. And we keep those animals here. So, and you know, those guys had a nice little break too from having so many animals in the building. The few that were left, you know, got full reign of the place. So, and yeah, we do, we're, we're full right now. In fact, I think in house right now, we have about 206 animals here and in foster, we have um, nearly 500. 
So, but the 206, some of them are just waiting for veterinary treatment and they'll go out to foster or either be adopted. But yes, okay. when this all initially happened and we, and we closed our doors to the public on March the 16th, this community stepped up. And I can say I was, I was trying to maintain my cool, but on the inside, I was really nervous. I'm sure. We didn't know what to expect from the virus. And I thought, you know, are we not going to have staff at all here? And we needed to limit how many staff. So it was really important that we get as many animals out as Mm -hmm. possible. And we did it again, thanks to this community. That's the only way we were able to do it. Yeah. I I mean, it was, they really stepped up when I I saw that I was, I was relieved because, you know, you picture all the animals in there. And I know they're used to volunteers coming and walking them that wouldn't be able to happen. And so what a relief for you, I'm sure. Absolutely. I think for every everyone here, I just breathe. Yeah. Now, I know you have, there's, a, there's staff there, obviously, but you do rely quite a bit on volunteers as well. I'm wondering how, what that looks like now. You know, our volunteer base has has been so important for us. And what I would say is right now, we have very limited volunteers in the building. It's just a few, some of our experienced dog walkers. The cats, we only have a couple of volunteers that are just doing some marketing for us. Again, the majority of the animals go out to foster mm-hmm. or are adopted. That number we have right now is manageable with their staff and the few volunteers we do have. They get plenty of enrichment from what we have. So I can't wait to the day that we're back to normal and have our volunteers back on a regular basis. We, we are still really trying to limit the number of people in the building, you know, so far, we've we've been lucky with not having to close air doors due to the virus. So we want to keep it that way and keep mm-hmm. our staff and volunteers healthy and safe. But, you know, you mentioned volunteers. We actually doubled the number of volunteers we had from 2018 to 2019. And yeah, so it's kind of like it's a little it's a little sad right now not not seeing them. And I loved watching social media for you guys. I don't I'm not sure who was doing social media, but it was so fun to seeing in my news feed and there's dogs running around and they, I just thought they did such a good, it was so cleverly done and I missed that. <laughs> I was seeing that. So hopefully we can get back to a place where I know. submitting videos of puppies on their Fido field trips. And the Fido field trips were wonderful. And I w- would really like to start doing that. That's one of the initiatives I would like to start doing again is taking, you know, at least taking dogs out for a hike and maybe just having fewer people that do it. But I, I really miss that a lot. I'm sure the dogs do as well. Yeah. Well, what are, so if someone wanted to volunteer right now, what I'm hearing is that foster care, fostering right. an animal is really a way to to do that at this moment. There's not a lot of other opportunities. There's there's not a lot of other opportunities right now. Foster is is the one volunteer area where we do need help. Again, I mentioned earlier that we do have a wait list, but that wait list can be because some people want specific animals. Okay. We don't always have that. I'm really excited that we, we have more cats going out to foster. And I'm really excited about that. The cats have, have really enjoyed the, the pandemic. <laughs> They're getting to roam around. We have them in the lobby because we don't have uh, 
coming in. So they are having a really nice time. Like party. <laughs> party, yes. So it's wonderful for us to see how well the cats are doing in foster too, because for cats, you don't want to move them too many times. Ideally, if for us, we've always thought it's great to take them from the shelter straight into a home. But I've learned a lot from that because the ones that are going from foster to another home are doing wonderful. So good. So we really need we really need help with cats. The other area that we really want to focus with foster is having those folks that help us with medical foster. Okay. Foster and with behavior foster. I'm not talking about a dangerous animal, but one that needs some training with manners and so forth. So, you know, there are cases of ringworm and people are scared of ringworm, but it's so treatable and it's we can only have um, so much of it in the shelter because it's highly contagious. So there's so many areas where we still need to expand. And as you point out, foster is fostering is volunteering. So we still have a need and we'll be making a big push to get to see if the community can stop, step up and help us in that way as well. Okay. So even if there, there, there is a wait list, but that doesn't mean if you shouldn't express your interest in fostering because correct. Okay. That wait list doesn't equate necessarily to what we have available to, to have you foster. So, you know, if you want a Pomeranian, that might not, the likelihood (laughs) of that happening is just Pomeranians before, but you know, some of our requests are very specific. Right. I'm sure. So I would not want it to discourage people at all. Well, that's great. And what I know I mentioned Fido Field Trip just because I love doing yeah. those. When we are back to a normal place where volunteers can sign up, how, what does that look like? How do they I know you're inundated with phone calls right now. Is there a way to sign up for a newsletter or yeah. you know, anything like that? So when this does become a possibility, they'll people will be notified and what sort of volunteer options would you think would be available at that time? So you would go to our website and on there, it'll direct you to every area where you would have something like whether it's volunteer, you know, volunteering, fostering, Fido's field trip. And we are going to be launching a new website. We're actually working on that this week, next week. We hope to have that up and running in the beginning of the year, which will be more user friendly. So that's exciting for us. But I anticipate us going back to normal with, you know, having cat socializers, dog um, walkers and looking at other areas, maybe where we need help, like with fundraising. We haven't had a big emphasis on that, but that's something I'm going to want to focus on. We're going to need photographers. That's another area we'll want to expand. And then you talk about Fido's field trips, and that's a wonderful program where you just take a dog out for a day. It could be on your couch if you don't want to go for a walk. And so it'll be, you know, just all of those things that we need help with adoption events. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, you know, again, can't wait for the day that that's happening again. Right. So in the meantime, sign up to Foster and fundraising. So I'm everyone's having this problem. Usually fundraising are these big events where people gather. And I know the Bow Wow Walk had to go virtual, if I remember correctly. And you just finished up a silent auction or is that going on? We still have it going on. Our Critter Ball, of course, is, is our largest fundraiser of the year. And, you know, we weren't able to meet in person this year. So our net on that, we'd like to have about 400000 And I think this year we're looking at maybe 100000 So it, the Silent and Live auction closes this Wednesday at 11.59, so nearly midnight. So we still have auction items out there. And within that, we ask folks to donate towards our um, mission-based, based, excuse me, initiatives, which is their 
Bay Neuter Program, Behavior Program, our Rescue Initiative, and our Compassionate Care Clinic. So there's, you know, other ways you can have a complete tax-deductible gift by just donating to one of those mission-based initiatives. So we have matches for those. We have a $25,000 Bay Neuter match. We need to match the rest, and we're at 10000 right now. Okay. We have our Rescue Initiative. We have a $5,000 um, match, and I think we're at about 2500 So We've got a big gap to close between today and tomorrow. <laughs> so you want to know how every day is. Every day is very different because I've got a, I've got my work cut out for me. Um, yeah, it sounds like between today and tomorrow. So, but you know that that was it's you know it's been kind of a downer just not getting everybody together. But for all of those people that are still helping us out even through this, having to do a virtual critter ball, I mean, I am so grateful that we've even gotten this much support. So sure, yes, really appreciative, but hoping we can, we can do a little bit better before tomorrow. <laughs> yes. I hope so too. And if someone, if we, if they do miss the, the um, critter ball, is there an option to donate online on your website at any time? Absolutely. You can always don- donate online. You can mail a check. All the information is right there online. So there's always an opportunity um, to donate. That's great. And I've, I've seen sometimes when I'm at the shelter, people dropping off bedding or you know, food. Uh, what sort of things are you accepting? I know a lot of places aren't necessarily accepting as much as they used to because of COVID. Is that impacting you all at all? Or you'll take it's not. We still are taking everything. You know, we get I do have whenever I'm standing outside and folks are here to drop off, they'll say, Will you still take towels? It's like, yes, we desperately need things like towels. We really can't afford to buy all of those things. I mean, of course we would if we had to, but mm-hmm. yes, we still need the supplies. And we're always in need of things like wet um, wet cat food. Food is always food we run out of. So we always need that. And we purchase food as well. But that always helps towels, Kongs, enrichment toys. And we do have a wish list on Amazon. Oh, okay. Um, so you can go there. And if you do the, if you register for us through Amazon Smile, we also get money back. So that's another way of giving. Give twice. Give at twice. The same time. Yeah. Yeah. When you say towels, are those new, new towels or used towels, but washed? Yeah. Yep. Use towels. Wash is preferable, but we wash everything. Okay. So we're, we're using gloves and face masks here. So even if we're touching anything, it, it's going in the washing machine, but it's, yeah. So it doesn't have to be, no, they don't have to be new. Okay. That's good to know. Cause I, I wouldn't mind replacing some of my towels. And now I have <laughs> somewhere to say. Yeah. I feel like a delivery driver sometimes in my neighborhood, my neighbors will call and tell me all the things they have. And I just drive around. My, I take my car around to pick up before I come in. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love that. We always need crates. Amy, okay. you're going to have to cut me off on this one because I'll start going through just a lot. No, I know. Tell me. What do you need? You've got blankets, food, crates. Yeah. Wow. So like I said, enrichment toys and, you know, one of our carriers, we always need okay. carriers for the cats. We do TNR here. So that's the trap neuter return program. So we always need traps and we, all of these items are on our Amazon site. So awesome. anything there we can use. Is there anything that people often try to give that you're, that you don't need or don't take or no, no, no. I really can't say, you know, yeah. we don't have that situation. What I will say is when we're trying to get better about it, it seems like all of a sudden in a day, our 
you know, maybe our stock of cat food is depleted. So we're trying to do a better job of predicting when we think we're going to need items. I will say the community is great about helping us when they know exactly what we need. So do a better job of limiting, here's what we need this week or, you know, the following week, here's what we need so that it helps people not feeling so overwhelmed with what do I choose from? Right, Um, right. But we won't put anything away. (laughs) Some of the food pantries have actually said the same thing. You know, they're like, we have 500 boxes of pasta and one jar of tomato sauce. <laughs> so, exactly. just, and then, you know, you mentioned it to this community is just so amazing. You put that out there and the next thing you know, it's, I have too many jars of tomato sauce. We need more pasta. So I'm sure it's similar Absolutely. in your situation. Absolutely. It is. <laughs> well, we touched upon what you all do there, fundraising, volunteering. Is there anything else that I didn't ask that I should have asked? Well, the only other thing that I thought about that I didn't point out is our SPCA rummage store. So that's that's on Hillsdale Drive. And I'm so impressed with the work they're doing over there. We were forced to close our doors there per state mandates for two Mm -hmm. and a half months. And I'll have to say when we opened back up, I was I was reluctant to believe that people would come in and shop and they are. And, you know, we're doing it in a in a manner that's safe and safe for the staff, safe, safe for shoppers. So that's still an area where we need donations. Mm-hmm. You can drop off donations there Tuesday through Saturday. So and we're we're open Tuesdays through Saturdays from ten to six. So anyway, that's another area where we rely on donations and people shopping and the money goes directly to the animals here at the SPCA. Awesome. I for, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I we do my family, we donate there and I had forgotten about that to bring that up. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, I think that's about as much time as we have. Uh, okay. I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking to me. I was excited about this and it was super fun. Yeah, well, thanks for having me and thanks for you all donating to us as well. Thank you, Angie. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Charlottesville Connected, sponsored by Avenue Realty. To listen to more episodes from those in our community, visit avenuerealtygroup.com. We hope to connect with you again real soon.